This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and I'm here today joined by not only Dave, but somebody way more important. I mean, that's that's not difficult, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> indeed, in this point, I would definitely agree. Joined once again, we should yes. say, by uh, by Rudolf from Remotive. Yes, and as we've been doing a couple of years now in a row, around this time of year, when the, the days get colder and darker and things on the job market start happening again for some reason, we talk with uh, Rodolfi about remote working and everything that uh, has to do with that. And we had a long conversation with him, so it's going to be spread out over a number of episodes, but it's all pretty good content. I really enjoyed the conversation. So unless you want to add anything else? No, let's get to it. Let's do it. So we are once again joined by Rudolf, who comes to us from not Remotive.io, but Remotive.com now. <laughs> and uh, for those of you that haven't caught uh, some of the previous episodes, if you have any interest at all in remote working, I would strongly recommend that you perhaps pause and go and check out um, our episodes uh, 169 was the the first batch. There were three episodes there back in uh, in 2019, uh, and then episode uh, 228 onwards um, in in 2021, where uh, Rudolf talked all about all things remote working, and obviously that that ser- that two series of uh, of episodes really um, you know shows a bit of the story about how things evolved and how how the world changed so dramatically. So if you haven't listened to those, I would strongly encourage you to go and start off with those. Uh, but uh, if you want to just dry, dive into the latest and greatest, then uh, then you can by all means start here. But uh, before I go any further, welcome Rudolf. Excellent to have you here again. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, do you want to give, uh, for those that did decide to skip all of my advice and dive right in, do you want to give a quick intro to who you are and how you got here and, and why why remote working is so important to you? Yeah, well, my name is Rudolf. I've been in and around tech for about 15 years by now. Um, I worked at large companies. One of my first engagement was to help companies adopt cloud computing. And mm-hmm. I was... You know, I was part of a team at Google whose motto was to say, cloud computing is good enough for you to work from anywhere, so what do you even go to the office? And that's something that I started in 2010, so about 12 to 13 years ago, which was interesting. And it was certainly jumpy at the start. It wasn't working great, but we were really on the mission to try and make Microsoft Office, you know, that uh, Excel spreadsheet that you send, which is version 6.7 dash final dash really final dash like something very very clunky we wanted to avoid that and change it a little bit and that set me in a journey to work differently so i got to be um within team a social media startup named buffer where i got to help the company work remotely and i embarked into this journey about roughly 10 years ago and he changed my perspective on work um getting to work from wherever I want, if I have internet, if I have a Wi-Fi connection, not having to commute at all. It made me think so much so that I started Remotive, now Remotive.com, which is a website and a community helping people in tech land remote positions. Uh, That is a newsletter, that's a job board. And basically, if you're out there looking for a job or just want to benchmark opportunities, 
we'll list those and we help people find those positions. Fantastic. I mean, one of the things actually that just uh, piqued my interest, because I'm not sure that we covered it last time, is you know, back in 2010, when, when you were doing that initial kind of uh, work uh, with Google, or at Google, I should say, it's kind of interesting because Google back then certainly was actually quite famous for being a company that actually really wanted everybody to work in the, in their offices, weren't they? Is that, that Absolutely. Was, that, was that a bit of a kind of strange conversation to be telling your, your sort of customers and organizations you were working with one thing and yet hearing something different from your, your management of the time? It was crazy because uh, Google and so many companies before them had the campus mindset where they wanted yeah. to, to maximize the time spent on campus. So you could be grabbing a free haircut on campus, doing your laundry even, that I always found somewhat odd from a European point because <laughs> that's, a, that's not a thing. But um, you had volleyball courts, you had food courts, you could be, you know, witnessed senior engineers having their family drop by for lunch only to return and then sort of leave and then they'll sort of work again. So work-life balance was different and certainly there was um, companies at the time were of two minds because on the one hand, they'd be used to have everybody on campus and be watched at all times. But on the other hand, by by then, by 2010, they all have Euro headquarters and offices in India and other places. So you would have those meetings in your calendar saying, you know, we have three different time zones on the meeting. It'd be dial-up or Avaya or other things, but you will already have the muscle memory of working with people you've never seen before, only to be mm -hmm. flowed in once a quarter for those teams. So it was sort of in the verge of either you stay and can look at people and tap them on the shoulder to ask something, and or you have a team that's entirely remote. If you think about content management for social networks, for instance, a lot of those teams are not sitting in the same offices as Facebook or Twitter, they're outsourced contractors. And much of the same was true for Google at the time and had been for 10 plus years by the time we did that. So they sort of knew how to do it. It was just an inconvenient way to go about it and not <laughs> uh, the baseline truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting. I mean, fast forward to sort of uh, the last, I guess, year or so, um, uh, sort of since we chatted. Obviously, um, when even our second set of episodes, which was kind of early 2021, yeah, there was still sort of a, quite a degree of or varying degrees, I would say, around the world of, of lockdown and and sort of at least hesitance or reticence to kind of um, make make too many changes or, or sort of uh, change things up too much in terms of face-to-face uh, -face contact and meeting people and all that sort of stuff. and. You know, how, how have you seen sort of remote working and um, all that sort of side of things kind of evolve and change over the last you know year or year or more? I think there's been a dramatic change in the way that with COVID you had to hire remotely because you couldn't get people in the office. So it was a great, yeah. great way to sort of bring talent you couldn't quite meet in person. And then some people said, well, that's the way to go because I basically want to uproot myself, leave the city, have more space, spend more time in my close ones. So it became extremely popular with applicants. And at the same time, people hiring companies did not have enough cash to hire people straight out of Silicon Valley oftentimes. So they wanted to cast a wider net. Uh, some wanted to enhance diversity and so on and so forth. So it became a thing, which was great. 
But then something interesting happened is that valuation started to change. We had a few things and the cost can be mixed, uh, could be financial crisis, Ukraine conflict, or just uh, Web3 valuation went crazy. Because end of 2021, you had crazy valuation rounds that were going around. And circa, say, February, March, it dried up pretty much overnight. You had memos sent from venture capitalists to portfolio companies saying winter is coming. We've lived through the 99 bubble. 2008 was somewhat mild for tech. We're not as bad as it was for the, the real economy. So a lot of people started reconsidering. And although there'd been a lot of hire remotely, you'd seen companies that served and soared through the um, through COVID, such as Hopin or Zoom, that all of a sudden said, wow, we forecasted for growth of the internet, the e-commerce, if you think Shopify, or uh, you know many other companies, to be linear with the uptick we've seen during COVID, whereas yeah. there have been a huge uptick and then a bit of a slump afterwards. So bet that were made by very smart and very well-staffed companies, Stripe included, that just uh, mm. had to let go 10% of staff, if not mistaken. Um, yeah. They overshot somewhat compared to what uh, investor were willing to give them during further rounds of funding, together with the growth expectation mm -hmm. that did not meet the reality of quarterly earnings. So all that meant reduced hiring and letting people go as well. So we've seen rounds of layoffs as we speak. We've had Meta, we're about to have Amazon, we had Cisco yesterday. Uh, so, so it's sort of brewing and that's a perfect storm where you have less funding together with less people hiring just now. So a bit of a change. Uh, it's a bit annoying, I find. I mean, this is a stock a symptom, basically. It always has to grow when reality has nothing to do with it anymore. I mean, it, it wasn't that far of a stretch of imagination, I think, to predict that after the pandemic, growth would be less sustainable because people would change back again. I mean, it boggles my mind that these smart companies, as you say, still fell for that trap. It's been, I think the enthusiasm that fled the market has been great. Mm. And a lot of people said, well, it's, we're directionally correct, but yet again, timing can catch up because the time horizon of most companies is quarterly mm -hmm. with earnings yep. calls and CFOs and the like, whereas a lot of people were like technical CEO led companies that said, I'm going to make a technical bet that the market is going to be much more advanced in three years, so we're going to staff accordingly. And then financiers got up and said, well, how about next three months? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's where the rubber hit the road. And a lot of people say that, uh, you know, the market can remain irrational a lot longer than you can remain solvent. In other words, yeah. you need to have enough cash to fulfill your ambition, which can be the case, but with so many stakeholders, oftentimes you have to show good faith. Uh, hence, Meta, Facebook layoffs, um, there's been a call for reduction in workforce at Google. Uh, mm -hmm. I saw that yesterday night where a major investor said, well, how can you operate Google with 180,000 staffers, whereby Twitter for better or worse, <laughs> that's my personal <laughs> opinion, but uh, just been slayed half of the workforce and seem to be an operational social network on the outside. So there are big questions popping up with uh, efficiency and whether cost and staff is ballooned. Uh, the street is not happy. Should they run the show? That's another question and conversation, I think. They, yeah. they also see kind of a shift in profiles because I, I could imagine, let's say that um, 
positively that the world has changed through the pandemic and we are more of technical nomads now and we need that profile more. The, sorry, old style people, if I call it like that, are still in the companies. There's a layoff round going on now. I do, do you kind of see that there is a shift in traditional profiles being flushed out to be replaced by more technical savvy, the more remote-minded in somewhere? Is that also an effect that we're seeing here? I think so. I, th I think it's coming because companies have seen that a couple of things. First, they need to widen the talent pool because hiring in metro cities is first expensive and then very competitive, maybe less so end of 2022 when they've been laid off, so more people are looking for work. But in general, it's, it's tough to have a narrow talent pool. So hiring through remote work has been a concept through COVID, but has been a validated experience for some role, if not all, mm -hmm depending on how technical and how open-minded the company is. Goes back to management style. Are you controlling people via, you know, um, screen sharing, like screen monitoring device or timers, or are you trusting them? And those are two school of thinking. So those who fell on the trust side of thing, I think gonna be happy to pull forward and just continue with the remote work part. Um, and I also think that empl employees that have seen their commuting time plummet through COVID and spent more time with their loved ones, potentially, you know, invested more in their home office, commuted less, or just had a mm -hmm. overall life balance that was more suited to most, uh, are also willing to entertain those opportunities a lot more. And that's why I, I, I bought, like, I ventured to bet a few days ago that most people being let go during those rounds of layoffs, like uh, fall 2022, are likely mm -hmm. to be looking for at the very least hybrid position, but I believe remote for the most part, because potentially they will two things. They see that remote work is doable, but also, and we've seen that with the phenomenon of silent quitters and people mm -hmm. that are being a little bit disengaged from work, there's yeah. a little bit of disillusion sprinkle atop of uh, the employee experience right now. Whereas with COVID, they desocialized a little bit because they couldn't see people every day and be at the water cooler on a daily basis, but also through rounds of layoff, uh, especially if you're affected, but also if you see a similar company letting go people with similar title and qualification than you, you say, well, I'm gonna give my best to this company uh, up to a point. And that point is, I feel good. I feel like I can be flexible. I feel I have a great standard of living. So that may mean remote work instead of those pictures you get to see on Twitter, <laughs> uh, where people need to sleep at the office and say, it's gonna be tough, go big or go home. If you don't bring a sleeping bag, you're not gonna be able to sleep on the couch and push a commit at 2 a.m. and so on and so forth. So that's sort of a polarized part. Are you more going to be hardcore engineer per se, because mm -hmm. those are exact words that were said in the tweet, or are you gonna be more on a path where you value lifestyle and flexibility a little bit more <laughs> on, the, on the culture change and the desocializing in my personal experience it seems like the management layer is suffering more from that because you have these uh, single day back to work because the manager i, I kind of have to have meetings from time to time with my team otherwise i don't feel like i'm managing a team anymore and they're more like social interactions because the real meetings still happen on Zoom or whatever video conference software you're using but you still have to go to that office once a week to have the manager count the sheep, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky. Mid-management has been built upon control and control sheets and reports and scorecards. 
for the longest time. So some people went through that phase and sort of now got out of the tunnel on the other side, trusting people would do good, having quantified objectives, leading on trust, asynchronous mm. communication. Others are still, yeah. as you say, can cheap. And beyond the occasional social mingling, they need to make sure that you're under some control. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the control. It's more like they feel they're not doing their job if they don't have a weekly meeting or something. I don't know. It's validation yeah. for them as much as for the others, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 sort of, we saw um, not so much in 2019, because I think there was a lot of still kind of shock and not really understanding what was going on um, sort of uh, at that point, nothing had really happened. 2020 sort of was the, the, the year where people were just kind of adjusting to things. 2021 was where it felt to me, 20, well, maybe 2021 and um, first half at least of 2022 felt like the time where we saw a lot more people kind of moving locations, changing where they were based, kind of you know, moving out of those metro centers and kind of adjusting like, adjusting to what to them at that point was their new normal of this sort of um, remote working, um, you know, primarily remote working kind of element of things. But it it definitely feels like there's this, as, as you put it, like polarized kind of shift as, as some organizations are now trying to, I mean, I don't really understand it, but like wrestling control. I mean, it's the word that, word that you use, like rest, trying to wrestle control back of their organizations that they feel that they've lost. Um, is the, you know, do you think that there will be a, uh, a shift of people back to metro centers? Do you think that that will, you know, that will kind of be a, be something that we see? Or do you think that um, like the workforce, if you like, will win over the, the sort of, I think, relatively small number, albeit most of them are very high profile mm -hmm. organizations that are trying to kind of... Um, I wouldn't say drag people kicking and screaming because some people are really looking forward to it, but the, yeah. the majority are not. The majority are have enjoyed the the balance that they've found. Maybe some would like some more uh, sort of interaction and would enjoy that, you know, day a week in the office or whatever it might be. But like, do you think we'll see things shift back in the other direction at all? That, that That's fascinating to me because uh, I used to travel quite a lot to New York before the pandemic and mm. seeing downtown and midtown being buzzing with people like absolutely crazy be frantic Monday to Friday and then I'll cycle on the odd Saturday or Sunday and then it's a ghost town it's effectively a ghost town I've actually read articles about uh New York New York City calling like uh, sort of pleading towards large companies to bring people back because there are so many shops in inner city center and new york being an example to many cities uh the cbd those three letters that uh mm. some of us learn to hate and others love uh, where you've got a lot of economy that revolves around it so there's a sense for like bigger city tech economies for people to come back to work now i'd really follow incentives when i think about should people and workers come back to work if you think about what some of the most more junior employee wants, there are exceptions, of course, but a lot of them want right out of college. They want mentorship, 
they want camaraderie. Uh, there are stats about what percentage of friends, of uh, romantic partners you may meet in the office. So if you're in for optimizing for social experience, I would understand someone that be saying, I want to start my career in you know Chelsea uh, offices at Google, New York City, and say I'm going to have a lot of social interactions because that's the city life I want to live. So if that's your incentive, that, that, that's cool, and I understand that. The thing that changed since the last time we talked is that for a lot of senior tech employees, there's now an alternative. Before, like a couple of years ago, if you were a senior tech employee working remotely, you had it good, quote unquote, and you were not always sure you'd be able to translate that trust, that independence, that freedom into the next position. With a number of companies opening similar positions where you can do your job at big and large companies, it alleviated two things. First, golden handcuffs, meaning people that were at remote tech companies can now be mobile from one to the other. And that's a huge change because it was a big problem up until COVID where you may have a nice pay and nice advantages, but it was so good, it was really hard for you to leave. So some remote companies had that problem, which is a great problem to have. And the second problem was, can you be promoted if you're not in the office? And that's less of a senior problem, sort of mid-career problem and certainly a junior problem as well. If you have a hybrid company and you're not sitting next to your manager, but your you know, teammate is, same team, same salary, same level, if you use engineering scale, aren't you going to be better off being seen at the office and interact with people? Mm. And to do that, we're going to need a few years in the muscle memory of a cohort of technical and non-technical people that can have the like the muscle memory of saying, well, I was not close, I was not close physically to my manager, but my work was good enough to get me promoted. So that's how I want to build my career. I can live in rural UK, Vermont, somewhere in France, and I can be as successful professionally as someone sitting in downtown New York City. And that's a big yeah. question mark. I think we're yet to see that. Yeah. It 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 sort of so much of this goes back on on management effectively, on on how how managers react and how managers think about their their teams, uh, the the folks that report up to them. If you've got someone who values, I guess that uh, that sort of face to face time of that particular employee and is unable to um, separate that from actually someone's output, someone's work, someone's you know, the end result of that that employee being there. I mean that's that's just a real problem like anywhere like even if you exclude remote working at all like the for things like like promotions uh and recognition and accolades and whatever it might be like the yes there's always going to be a social element to it human beings apart from yon are social animals um <laughs> he's very proud of the fact but um it's it's i think a lot as I say i think a lot of this comes down to the leaders and the managers uh not and not just first line managers as well like you have people you know a second line manager is someone who manages managers and therefore is uh often you know disconnected or is not as closely connected to the individuals that you know we're often talking about and that uh is an even more complex situation where you've got um, 
you've got, you know, all you can do is largely rely on anecdotal evidence uh, sometimes. Like you can, hopefully you've got some form of measurements, some form of metrics, some sort of things that you use to to track mm. how someone's performing well or not performing well. Um, but you you rely a lot on the input from your managers as to how a team or how individuals are performing. And if you've got individual managers that are, that have very different values or different behaviors, like the whole thing just goes out the window. And that is part one of our session uh, with Rodolf. Uh, we covered a lot of topics, but we've got plenty more to talk about. So uh, hopefully you'll come back and uh, join us for part two. Uh, I will. I hope our listeners will too. Indeed. Well, in that case, unless there's anything nope. else from you, then that is all the time we have for today. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Every contribution really does help. We are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and do all the YouTube things. It does make me happy. You can also go to RoaringElephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at RoaringElephant tag, and you can even send your feedback to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. But until next time, my name is Dave. And my name is, I guess I'm not going to be innovative and inventive and creative myself either. Jon? No, I guess not. Took long enough, though. We look forward to talking to you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. See you then.